Chronicle Voyage of the Page Turner. Episode 4 The Lost Jewels of Nabuti. Well, hello, Voyager. The Beatles, uh, Little Mix, packs of Brillo pads. The best thing come in fours, and this is the fourth episode of Voyage of the Page Turner, the choose your own page turning podcast with me, comedian Colin Lego. You've probably been here before and know exactly what this is about, but if you don't, what is it about? Well, it's a podcast, tick. I have a weekly special guest, tick. We review an original 1980s multiple choice adventure book, tick. And we talk about the 1980s, <laughs> tick. And apparently I sing sometimes. Hmm. So we're into our fourth episode now. I think we're finding our stride about what this is. And people have been in touch saying what they like, what they don't like, which is excellent. It's always nice when you've created something and you've spent time and effort and blood and sweat and tears creating something and you present it to a good friend and all they say is, oh, not very topical. (laughs) No, no, this podcast is not very topical. I'm happy with that. In fact, it's probably the opposite to topical because we usually go back in time with most episodes. If you want something topical, there's a show that I've heard of. I think it's called The The News. Yeah. I mean, there's so much going on in the real world at the moment that all this podcast is, is a bit of escapism every week to, uh, to go to a different land, have an adventure and not worry about what's going on in our real lives. So no, I'm happily untopical. If you want it to be topical, I'll just say one phrase and then you can listen to the podcast whenever you like. And this topical phrase will make sense. Um, uh, Can you believe the thing that the government did last week? I mean, unbelievable. So whenever you're listening to this podcast, be it this year, next year, eight years time, 2030, it doesn't matter. That saying will probably be quite apt. So there you go. We've had a few people in touch again since we put out episode three last week. Thank you for getting in touch. Bethany Weston. Hello, Bethany. On Twitter, Bethany Weston says, this was really fun to listen to. Loved it. So thanks, Bethany. Glad you're really enjoying it. And I also had a lovely private message on Twitter at our Twitter page, which is at Page Turner Show, if you do want to follow us. And the message was from The Fate of Ison, a Kiwi D&D podcast. And it's really lovely when you get a bit of feedback from other people who do podcasts. And apparently... Apparently, Brad from the Fate of Ison podcast is really enjoying it. So thanks, Brad. Really appreciate that. And I went over to iTunes and had a little listen. Really good. Really, really fun. I'm gradually beginning to understand a little bit more about the world of Dungeons and Dragons from having done this podcast. And yeah, the Fate of Ison podcast is a huge amount of fun. Lots of gameplay, lots of characters, lots of voices. <laughs> Lots of things very similar to Voyage of the Page Turner in a weird sort of way. And they're not afraid to do a silly voice. So, uh, yeah, keep that up, Brad. Love a silly voice. I think in this episode four of Voyage of the Page Turner, there are several silly voices. So, uh, yeah, look forward to that. So just like Brad and Bethany and a few others that have been in touch, thank you so much. But just like them, if you've been enjoying the podcast, you can follow us, you can like us, you can contact us. On Twitter and Instagram, we are at Page Turner Show. And also we have an email for the show, which is voyageofthepageturner at gmail.com. So this is episode four today, and we're very excited. We are putting on our detective hats, if indeed you have a detective hat, and we are travelling around the world in search for the lost 
Jewels of Nabuti. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I really loved the idea of being a spy or a detective uh, or working for the uh, FBI or something. I hadn't got into the world of James Bond, all that espionage stuff, but I had read a bit of Sherlock Holmes. And uh, growing up in the countryside, you had to make up your own crimes, basically, because not much happened here in the wilds of Cornwall. So we had to pretend that that person over there walking their dog had just committed a crime. And then me and my friend Shane would try and stalk that person person for like an hour as they're doing their walking their dog without them seeing us yeah i mean we we had way too much time on our hands and then one day i would say christmas 1985 the worst happened my brand new bmx which i got for christmas on boxing day it was stolen from our back door and we couldn't believe it it was like the biggest crime that had ever happened in the history of the village and of course me and shane went into full detective mode we clearly thought it was some of the poorer kids from the estate down in falmouth <laughs> i mean yeah, how judgmental were we and so we would go round to all the housing estates looking for my bike for about two months later never found it never found it probably resprayed cut and shut job sold on the black market of cornwall i would imagine yeah sad times so anyway in this fourth episode we get to do some proper detective work and i am joined by a friend and fellow comedian who is almost exactly the same age as me me and paul almost share a birthday by about six days so we both grew up in the 80s and we both know what a good 1980s story should have in it so let's see how we do as we journey into episode four of voyage of the page turn Paul F. Taylor is an award-winning comedian, actor, writer, and self-proclaimed fool. As one half of the double act short and curly, Paul is well aware that teamwork can make or break any performance. But can he use those skills to remain unbroken as he takes on the voyage of the page-turner? Paul F. Taylor, welcome to Voyage of the Page Turner. Are you excited? I'm, yes. Yeah. I am excited. Well, you, you told me um, before that these books, you have a, ha, had experience of these books when you were growing up. Yeah. Um, I, I was a fan mm. of them. I remember distinctly, I can't remember the names of the books, that's the weird thing, but I do remember going into bookshops and and finding these uh, like i think my brother got one first and then i i i remember just going to bookshops and constantly looking for these types of books because they were quite niche and they'd be in a really small section mm. and just loving the idea that i didn't have to read a book from the first page to the last page <laughs> right. in order like something about the idea that the book wasn't for the you didn't have to read the entire thing yeah <laughs> really appealed to the the dyslexic part of me me too i think that's probably why i enjoyed them and and i i discovered them by accident when lockdown uh lockdown started back in march or april they just popped up on amazon and i was like yeah let's give them a go even though i'm not eight years old anymore we're, we're a very similar age paul i know that we almost share a birthday and and this was the main entertainment back in the mid 80s wasn't it there wasn't much else going yeah. on <laughs> Well, this was something you could get away with. You could say to your mum, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm reading, mum. And uh, it's not it's not a real book. Like, they're not real. They're, they're, um, in fact, they, they got tremendously complicated as well. I had one where it came with these dice, a specific mm. set of dice that you had that 
moved your moves in a particular direction. It was somewhere between reading a book and, I guess, Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, I felt like it was definitely a thing to take in a long curve journey. If you weren't allowed your Game Boy or something like that, you could uh, you could get these in. Yeah, and uh, just by rediscovering these, I've found that it's either it's all or nothing with these, Paul. I don't know if you remember them, but it's either you're dead within 10 minutes or you have a long and lovely journey with some kind of prize at the end. But it is all or nothing. Yeah, they're very abrupt, aren't they? <laughs> they you are. know, you're, all, you're in a nice field smelling some flowers or something and it goes, do you want to go left or right? And then you go left and you, you're dead. You You're dead. <laughs> you didn't realise that those were flowers of death. <laughs> uh, as a person in real life, are you a risk taker? Do you play things safe? What's your general take on your life adventure? I am very mixed with that. I'm not really very good at gambling. I don't really get it. Mm. I've, I, I, I'm not very good at that in that I don't really tend to risk that much because mm. I just tell myself that I don't know how to do it so that I don't lose money. But I am quite a risk taker in other elements of my life oh, right. in that I will be prone to just saying a random thing, in a, as you well know probably, amongst a group of people that doesn't have any relevance to what it is. But I've taken a risk that it might be something that people want to hear about. Um, uh, that's probably uh, where it's probably where all the best stand-up comes from, isn't it? Taking that risk. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, and I guess as a stand-up, I'm probably considered a little bit of a risk taker um, in the style I do. But yeah, I like a bit. I like a bit of risk as long as I don't lose money. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe this could be uh, incorporated, so you could do a gig where you go, okay, punchline A is, or punchline B <laughs> is this. Well, that would require me to have the ability to write more than one punchline. <laughs> ah, okay, fair enough. What I'm asking all my guests, on an adventure when you were eight or, you know, nine or ten and you were going on an adventure, Paul, when I mean an adventure, maybe you were just going down the park to sit in a treehouse or whatever it is, what would be your snack of choice? Your nineteen snack of choice on an adventure? Yeah, your oh. 1980s snack of choice. Well, it's got to be some form of uh, crisp. I'd imagine. Yeah. Probably um, pickled onion, uh, Monster Munch. Monster I was very, very. Uh, I was a big fan of those. Although I'm going to, I'm going to go for uh, salt and vinegar discos um, because Ooh. they had such a hit. Like if you had a cold, if you had like a little cut in your lip, and you had some oh. salt and vinegar discos, you knew about it, son. Oh. Yeah, only rivaled really by the salt and vinegar square, which was more dangerous. I found. Yes, I had some salt and vinegar squares. They're back out. I, they they well, were they weren't around for a bit, and I had some from a petrol station, and I was pleasantly surprised. Well, um, let's take you and your discos and adventure into um, book four of the series by R. A. Montgomery in the Choose Your Own Adventure series. Let's travel into episode four of Voyage of the Page Turner. Episode four. The Lost Jewels of Nabuti. You are about to embark on a search with your cousins, Peter and Lucy. Jewels with powers almost beyond human imagining have disappeared from a museum show in Paris. Or did the jewels even make it out of Africa? And what does your uncle have to do with it? It's time to buckle down to some good old-fashioned detective work. But watch your back. 
my first question here, Paul, before we even get into the story, what's your relationship with Peter and Lucy, your cousins? Do you get on with these people? I reckon Peter, uh, Lucy's all right. Yeah. Peter is, if I'm honest, I don't like him. Why? He's, uh, he's You've got so beef. competitive. He, yeah, he's always got beef crisps. <laughs> and they smell the worst. So me and him have got beef. I've got beef with his beef flavor crisps. <laughs> he always has these uh, beef squares. Oh. And, um, oh, God. Well, let's get into this and see whether you and Peter and what was your, uh, Lucy, let's see Lucy. what the connection is. I'm very excited. Okay. Halfway through your summer vacation, you get an urgent telegram from your cousins, Peter and Lucy. Need your help finding the jewels of Nabuti? Stop. Fly to Boston at once? Stop. Bring passport? Stop. Danger? Stop. Be careful? Stop. Peter and Lucy. After reading the telegram several times, you are still puzzled. You remembered the jewels. Who could forget them? The two diamonds shone like the sun's reflection off a glacier, and the two rubies were like the eyes of a jungle creature at night. Very poetic, Paul. Peter's father had bought them from a trader in a Moroccan city many, many years ago. The trader had been nervous about the sale, but also anxious to get rid of the jewels. Two days later, Peter's father returned to the Kasbah to hear more about the jewels and, and he found that the stall was closed. A small sign announced the sad and unfortunate death of the stall owner. <gasps> that same day, he received a letter at his hotel demanding the return of the jewels. The letter warned him that his life was in danger if he did not return them. He ignored the letter, but he always hinted about the strange and mysterious powers the stones held. Peter and Lucy tell you that the jewels have been stolen from a museum show in Paris. You pack your bags and leave your house in New Orleans and fly to Boston. You glance over your shoulder, nervously searching for followers. Peter and Lucy meet you at the airport. Uh, now, we found during this series that I have to do loads of accents, so I think they're going to be American. <laughs> Oh, okay. Which particular area of America? Well, let's find out as I open my mouth. Let's find out where Peter is well, from. Make sure you get because I'm from uh, New Orleans. New Orleans. Am I from New Orleans? New Orleans. So yeah. I'm gonna. I've got my one for that. New Orleans. Well, I'm gonna. Well, say howdy, cousins. <laughs> I'm from New Orleans. Yeah, it's almost like I'm there, Paul. It's really nice. We don't. We don't have much time. I don't know where he's from. We don't have much time. Peter announces. If you agree to help, take the plane to Paris tomorrow afternoon. He's kind of from the Bronx, I think. Yeah, he sounds tough. I don't think I want to mess with him. From Paris, you'll Eat fly... Eat my beef crisp! <laughs> from Paris, you'll fly to Morocco. You'll have to hurry. No choices to be made yet. Paul. In truth, I can only go the speed of the flight. There's no, like, I can't make them hurry up the flight. The flight goes the speed it does. But Peter, you complain. I don't understand what this is all about. You will when you read this letter. Here it is. The jewels of Nabuti are four keys to the hidden wisdom and wealth of a secret African tribe. Those who have the jewels either enjoy health and fame, or they suffer agony beyond belief. The current owners of the jewels must guard against their being stolen or lost. They must wait to hand them over to the appointed messengers of Nabuti. Loss of the jewels could mean death. 
You are puzzled by the letter. Peter and Lucy try to reassure you. But the truth is that their lives have been threatened. And if they continue the search for the jewels, they could be killed. Paul, here's your first choice. You could agree to go on tomorrow's plane to Paris, okay? But you could also demand more time and information and some extra help from your cousins. First of all, I'd like to say that they are a pair of pussies. <laughs> like, what are you roping me in for? I mean, I've come from New Orleans up yeah. to Boston already, and now you're expecting me to go to Morocco. Why didn't you just say get a flight to Morocco? Uh, well, I think this goes back to the beef you've had with Peter about the crisps. I think he's got getting yeah. his money back, but it still stands. I'm going to go, go straight away because no one wants me to hang around. I mean, what's oh. the point? Let's All right. go straight there. I, I don't feel you and your cousins get on very well, so we're not going to spend any more time with these idiots, and we're going to go straight on the plane to Paris. Yes. Through those guys. And whilst I'm leaving, can I knock the crisps out of his hand? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can, I'll say that's going to happen. Fasten your seatbelts, put your seats back in the upright position, turn off all electrical devices. Flight 231 to Paris is now ready for takeoff. The flight attendant explains emergency procedures, but you listen only half with one ear. Interesting. Then there is a roar of the jet engines and the plane rushes down the runway and leaps into the air. Turning away from the small plane window, you notice that the person sitting next to you is doodling on the pad. Long, narrow fingers grasp a gold pen tightly. They are almost bloodless white. You sneak a closer look at his face and see eyes that reflect no light. A moustache hides a scar that runs down the nostril to the corner of the mouth. You look down and see that the scribbles on the pad are diamond-shaped. They almost spell out the word Nabuti. This cannot be a coincidence. The person next to you certainly knows who you are. Would you care to share a taxi to Paris, my friend? Why, I, 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 I dunno. Uh, where are you going? The stranger fixes you with an eerie stare and says, We are searching for the same things. I need your help and you need mine. Now, Paul, if you accept the offer, you can go in the taxi or you can make excuses and refuse the help. Are you going to get into the strange taxi or not? Can I just ask who gets a taxi to Paris from London? I don't understand. Is that, no, I th am I, I think, landing in London? I think you're landing in Paris. Yeah, Sorry, you right. descended so into Paris. In Paris. And yeah. he's asking me if I want to share a taxi with him. Yeah. To go, and he doesn't know where I'm going. No. He wants me to go with him wherever he's going. Yeah. Because we're searching for the same thing. He's worked out you right. need the same thing, the jewels of Nabuti. Right, so I guess my options here are don't go with him and uh, get my own taxi. You know, he forces me to go with him or something horrible like that. Yeah. Or I go with him. Well, then I probably just die, I imagine. <laughs> well, um, possibly. I mean, I I've played these books before. It'll be yeah. a, it'll be a taxi of death or something. It won't be a taxi. It'll be a taxi driven by a, a goblin, and the goblin will just instantly pull a lever, and then it'll cut my head off or something, and then they'll drive to wherever they're going in Paris, and I'll be a headless corpse. <laughs> Typical Paris. Um, <laughs> it's always happening in Paris. This is the most common crime there. Yeah. I'm going to go in the tax. No, I'm going to stay and not take the taxi with You're him. You're going to make excuses and refuse his help. I reckon I'll say something like, God, I'm busy. <laughs> well, let's find out. That'd be great writing if that is the word. 
A large crowd gives you the perfect opportunity to escape. You duck into a phone booth when they still existed. The crowd swirls around you and he is gone. Slowly you open the door, look cautiously around and step out onto the airport waiting room floor. There is a tap on your shoulder. You spin around. Standing there is a tall woman with intense eyes and a muscular little person in a tracksuit. <laughs> it sounds like the Crankies. <laughs> the Crankies have turned up. A, mus- <laughs> a muscular person in a tracksuit. Yeah. Okay. He has a small laptop with him. Oh. I want to know what a small laptop is. Like, uh, is that a size, a standard size of laptop? Small laptop. Can I, which size of laptop would you like? Would you like small, medium, or large? Um... <laughs> I think they should be from German. Germany. Oh. I, I reckon you can do that. Yeah, I'll try. Come with us. We are going to help you with the jewels of Nabuti, the woman announces. No matter where you go, there are people after you. Is there no escape? Okay, okay. What is it? What do you know? She looks at you and then says... There is a jet waiting over there in a private air terminal. It will take you to Morocco. Here is your identification. She hands you a small silver and ivory thing and discusses it with you. Whoever sees it will give you help. Good luck. The man grins in an evil way. He opens up his laptop so you can look inside. It's not a laptop at all. It contains a dagger with a sharp point. You could get on the plane. I told you there's no such thing as a small laptop. It was nope. clearly a dagger in a box, Colin. Dagger we in a both box. knew it. Now you've got the choice. Do you get intimidated by these people being the crankies and get on the jet to Morocco? Or do you just tell them you've made a mistake and you just drift off into the crowd? This is literally, the choices are do nothing or follow that thing. Yeah. Not far. It's not really giving me the two options that you know I can really weigh up. You know, what? do I want to move the story forward? I want to do it to stagnate. I've, I've, I've chosen two choices so far. One of them is move the story forward. Second one, stagnate. So I reckon I've got to go with move the story forward again, even get- though you did a maniacal evil laugh. I don't. I mean, who knows if the smile is evil? Someone could just have that face that looks a bit evil, and then you, they smile, and you think they're being evil, but they might not be. They might just be smiling, and that's their face. Yeah. Know? So I reckon he's actually a nice guy, and that the crankies are out to help me, and I think we should follow him. A beautiful and unusual jet sits in readiness at the private air. What's unusual about it? Why is it unusual? It has silver and yellow wings and a bright red body. You are met by two large men in business suits. Follow us, be quiet. That's how they sound. (laughs) There is no opportunity for hesitation or argument. They hustle you into the aircraft. Then you are up. And away, Paris below looks like a small town or even a a play city in a sandbox. Soon you are at cruising altitude, flying over the mountains, across Spain. Then the coast of Africa looms under you. Puffs of smoke from the wheels hitting the runway at almost 250 miles per hour announce your arrival in Morocco. A black Mercedes limousine pulls up to the jet. 
A powerfully built man in dark clothes stands by the car door and opens it. I don't know why the descriptions of all the males are so yeah, powerfully all... built. Muscular man. It just feels... I'm starting to hear it in a slightly different way. It feels more pornographic than I thought <laughs> it was. <laughs> this powerfully built man. Your two options are to, to rub his muscles. Oh. Or, or not to rub his muscles. Those are your options. The car speeds towards a town, past rolling hills filled with brilliant yellow, blue and red flowers. Soon you're in the middle of the town, alongside modern buildings and cars. The limousine puts its way through the narrow streets. It then stops in the shadow of the inner city wall. The driver points to a small opening in the wall. A blind... Oh, I bet he does. I bet he does. It's a glory hole. <laughs> bet he does. Dirty, muscular man. A blind woman sits by the opening. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, God. When you walk by her, she spits at your feet. You jump back in disgust, but the driver just keeps pushing you on. In your pocket is the small ivory identification piece given to you in Paris by the woman. You stop and pretend to tie your shoe. You look at the blind woman and you're sure she winked at you. <laughs> Was it just a tick? Or maybe she's not blind and trying to sig signal you. I mean, this is becoming ridiculous, this story. I want more choices. Oh, I'm just going to say, is there actually any options in this? Like... We're getting there. We're getting there. Here comes one. Right. The ivory piece will bring you help. How badly do you need help now? Should you give the token to the blind woman or should you save it until later? There's your options, Paul. Do you use this right, one give... piece you've got to get help or not? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, uh, Give it to her. Yeah, go on. <laughs> you know, what's the worst she can do? She's blind, I okay. guess. Um, Let, let's try. We're going to give her the ivory piece and see what happens. I mean, is she blind though? That's is this is the thing. Well, I don't know. She just winked at me, so you know. Or was it? it sort of suggests thing? that she knows that I'm there, unless she's got like an eye. You know, when you got like you're tired and your eye twitches. Yeah, Maybe it could be like that. Maybe that. She's okay. just tired. Instinct tells you to give the ivory piece to the woman. You drop it in her outstretched hands. The moment the ivory piece is in her hands, she yells, Aye! Two, <laughs> two, short, <laughs> two short, wiry men in hooded robes step out a small door in the wall. These aren't muscular. They're wiry men, Paul. They're the two options of men that you get in this book. Wiry and muscular. Yeah. One of them shouts in English, We are here as your friends. Follow us. You haven't the faintest idea where you're going or what you're going to do. The ivory piece seems to have a strange and powerful effect on these people. In here, they say. It is your new guide speaking. Seated at a small table is an old man with white hair and a beard. Um, <laughs> Has he got muscles? <laughs> doesn't say, but he is smoking from a water pipe. Rugs are everywhere, Ooh. hanging on the rules. Hold on a minute. Yeah. Smoking from a what? That's not a pipe. You don't smoke from a water pipe. What? Do they mean a bong? Oh, like a... One of what these... are they... What's a water pipe? What is it one of those? Is that like a drain? <laughs> <laughs> That's, a drain. That's a drain pipe you smoke in there, mate. It does say water pipe. Is it like one of those, um, what are they called? Sheesh pipes. Is that water pipe? Well, that's a that's called a sheesh. That's not called a water pipe. Is it? No, he's sucking on a, a hose pipe. pipe is what you get round the back of your toilet, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, 
All right, carry on, Colin. Sorry, I don't want to heckle. They've got very strange um, hobbies in this city. That's fine. Okay. Sit down. Do not be frightened, says your new guide. You sit. We have followed your trip from Boston. I don't know where he's from. We know who you are, and we want the jewels. Now give them to us. But I don't have the jewels, you protest. The old man rises and looks sharply at you. Look in the pocket of your coat. Now, if you decide, Paul, to obey him, you can obey him and look in the pocket of your coat. Or you might decide to run out the door. Let's just take stock of what's yeah. happened so far. No one's spoken to me. There's a weird guy with some fingers on a, a flight. Yeah. We landed and I itched that guy because he was well weird and he was yeah. clearly going to take me somewhere to kill me. Then two other people that have maniacal smile. That, that Michael smiles and they're muscly or, and tall. Yeah. They sent me somewhere. I didn't really get to know anyone, have I? Like, no, <laughs> none um, of these characters have stayed with me very long. No. But anyway, he, then I landed in Morocco. So I'm meant to be in Morocco, which mm. is good. Mm. And now a man was walking me somewhere and I've ditched him and I've gone with two other guys. So I'm, really, I'm, I'm really not sticking with anyone. You're not. I'm really jumping, jumping group to group. I, and I don't know anything. So it could be that my jewels are actually in my pocket, couldn't they? You know, maybe they were in my pocket the entire time. And it's taken a man smoking on a water pipe to point it out to you. Yeah. Yeah. Who's basically, he's smoking sewage. What's he doing? <laughs> um, wouldn't, wouldn't your cousins be really miffed if they've sent you all the way across the world and you go and you now find out they've been in your pocket all the time? Well, they'll be really yeah, annoyed. Yeah, they'd, they'd be really annoyed about that. I reckon I probably wouldn't be allowed any crisps. What will you do, Voyager? I know how these books go, and I feel running away is often what you do before the next page is. You were running away. You trip on a stone. As you trip on the stone, the wiry man hits you with a club. You are dead. And then what you do is you go back to this page, and then you go with the other option <laughs> <laughs> until, until you get it right. So I'm going to go with look in my pocket, I think. I think, uh, I reckon I might have the jewels in my pocket. And if I don't, it'll be a fun story. Incredible. There, in your coat pocket, are the jewels of Nabuti. <gasps> he was right. How did they get I knew there? it! Who put them there? This is crazy. I knew it. But that is not important. There they are, bright, incredible, powerful, mysterious. The old man smiles, takes them from your hand before you can do a thing and says, you have done well in returning the jewels of Nabuti to their rightful owners. Blessings be with you. You were their messenger and helper. We thank you, says the old man. As the old man speaks, you see him change form. He becomes younger, taller, and glows with a gentle gold radiant glow. You did the right thing. He is the king, the leader, the source of good. The end. We've completed the game! In four steps. I, I feel, I feel. <laughs> that is the worst one I've ever done. <laughs> I, I feel that, um, no, no disrespect to R.A. Montgomery, but I think he just got bored because the old man oh. just changed into a golden lava lamp and that's the end of the story. Oh my God, I've won. <laughs> You've won? I've, and I still don't know what's going on. 
Sorry, Paul. What's that's... happening with my cousins? Where are my cousins? Do they not turn up? Nope. No, no mention of Peter and Lucy anymore. They're dead to you. And What about um... the blind lady? What okay. about the old man who had the fingers? <laughs> what about Jeanette Cranky who had the knife? Where's Crank? Where are Crankies? Are they not all just going to pop up and round and then start applauding? You completed the game. So you, what so... about the muscly man? I still didn't get a cuddle off the muscly man. <laughs> <laughs> but you expected me to die. I expect everyone to die. That's my kind of uh, base. Uh, what, what I expect out of these out of these books. Yeah, but I'm I'm very pleased that you didn't die. I mean, that's incredible, yeah. Paul. Yeah. What I'm finding in these books, um, and thank you if you are sticking with this podcast and listening to episode four, is that the books differ in quality. <laughs> I mean, are you are you uh, a bit annoyed that you made some of those decisions? Did you want it to go a bit more... It couldn't get any more crazier, but it could have a bit of a better story to it, no? Yeah, I felt that the amount that you had to read... Um, in comparison to the amount I was allowed to choose mm. um, was way off. I think they should have had more choosing, but you know, I, I, I can't fault the game because I won. You know, yeah. I think um, I chose uh, I chose to take risks, but you know, mm. I also chose, I knew, I knew when to not take risks. You know, I knew that taxi was a risk, but I knew that a jet wasn't a risk. Always trust someone who's trying to bundle you into a jet, yeah. but never trust someone who's trying to bundle you into a taxi. Yeah, that, if, that... if that's something we can take from this, always, always trust a blind lady as well. Trust blind ladies and jets. Yeah, uh, what do you think uh, you're going to write back to Peter and Lucy about your, uh, your adventures? Are you going to tell them about this in Boston? I care about Peter. But I might, I might tell Lucy at the next um, family gathering. Yeah. Um, when I, you know, chat with her at the, you know, the the, the buffet table, I'll say, we- oh, by the way, solved your whole uh, jewel thing. Anyway, have you had <laughs> some carrots? You had some carrots. Where's Peter, by the way? I, I I think there's a family rift going on that is probably a whole book in itself. I've got nothing to. I've got no problem with Lucy. No. If she wants to come round and visit, that's fine. But I'm not having Peter in my house. That guy, if he came to New Orleans, there'd be a taxi there and there'd be a man going, get in the taxi. And he'd get in that taxi and he would get he would get erased. Yeah, you take him to that dark alleyway where there was a hole in the wall. And, and... Oh, I just want to... I want to know what that guy was going to do in the taxi now. Like, clearly he was going to kill me. We'll never know unless people want to uh, read the book, which they can get online. The Lost Jewels of Nabuti. They can get the book and they can find out themselves. But we will never know, Paul. Well, no one's going to get that book because they've heard how to finish it. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But you know, there is thirty-eight different endings. So maybe in other endings, um, you and the old man with the white beard start a loving relationship. Who knows? I thought that's what we were going to get. <laughs> I was reaching in my pocket. I thought it was going to be a ring. <laughs> Will you marry me, man? I've just met. Do you choose to propose to Father Christmas, man, or do you choose to not propose? You've chosen Gosh. not propose. You are dead. 
it's been very lovely having you here paul um if people want to get in touch with the show let me just remind them that they can we're on twitter uh which is page turner show at page turner show if you would like to um i don't know comment on how paul did or didn't do or get in touch and um if people want to email and say how they enjoyed the story or how the story was not for them, uh, the email is voyageofthepageturner at gmail.com. If people want to find out more about you, Paul F. Taylor, where should they do that? They can go to Twitter, Paul underscore F underscore Taylor. I have a website, uh, paulftaylor.co.uk. Uh, I'm also on Facebook, Instagram. Um, I can't be bothered to list all of them. I'm on all the regular things. You know, the comedians do. Well, I think the last thing we should do is, if you could just have a message just for Peter, would you like to respond in telegraph form to Peter and Lucy? (laughs) If I could, please. Dear Peter, stop. Voyage of the Page Turner featured the books of author R.A. Montgomery, hosted by Colin Lego. Featuring special guest Paul F. Taylor. Voiceover by Sam Thomas. Produced by Colin Lego. Special thanks to Ant McGinley. Until we meet next time, remember choose wisely.